Welcome to the Prompt to Page podcast, a partnership between the Jessamine County Public Library and the Carnegie Center for Literacy and Learning. I'm your host, Carrie Green. Each episode, we interview published writers who share their favorite writing prompts. Submit your response to their prompts for a chance to have them read on a future episode of the podcast. On this episode, we're talking to Christina Ernie and Jeremy Payton. Christina Ernie is a third culture poet who grew up in South Korea. She holds an MFA from the University of Arizona. Her work has been the recipient of the Tupelo Quarterly Inaugural Poetry Prize and the Ruskin Art Club Poetry Award, and has been published by the Los Angeles Review, Yemisee, Blue Stem, and Tupelo Quarterly, among other journals. After over a decade of living as an expatriate abroad, she currently lives and teaches in Jessamine County, Kentucky, with her husband and three children. Jeremy Payton is professor of Spanish and Latin American literature at Transylvania University in Lexington, Kentucky, and on faculty in translation at Spalding University's Low Residency MFA. He is the recipient of a 2019 Al Smith Individual Artist Fellowship for Poetry from the Kentucky Arts Council. World as Sacred Burning Heart, his full-length collection of poems on the Spanish colonization of the Americas, was published in April of 2021. Under the Ocelot Sun, a bilingual illustrated children's book, won the 2020 Ada Campoy Prize for Children's Literature from the North American Academy of Spanish Language. His bilingual collection of poems, Self-Portrait as an Iguana, which co-won the first Poet in New York Prize by Valparaiso, USA, has just been published. So welcome to Prompt to Page, Christina and Jeremy. Thanks so much for coming. Thanks for having us. (laughs) Thank you for having us. So, um, full disclosure, we are in a writing group together, (laughs) and um, one of the reasons I asked you both to come is because we first began meeting here at the Jessamine County Public Library. And Christina, you live in Wilmore, so I know you are a frequent visitor to the library. Have libraries been an important space to both of you as readers and writers, and if so, how? I um, am a little bit obsessed with the Jessamine County Public Library and public (laughs) libraries in general. Um, I think that they are just little pieces of heaven on earth. They're so um, democratic and inclusive and spaces for everyone um, to come and check out books, be there, write, be inspired, um, seek help, you know, (laughs) assistance, classes, et cetera. Um, and And so I probably in my life as a writer and reader have checked out thousands and thousands upon thousands of books or requested (laughs) thousands of books. Um, Especially when I lived in uh, Indianapolis, Uh, I made a lot of use of the interlibrary loan in the Indianapolis public library. So as a teacher and educator, but also as an artist, it's been just an invaluable space for me. Um, Mm -hmm. And I love it. I'm, I'm like, everybody needs a card get over there, check out the books, get it, get it going. (laughs) Yeah. And you've got, um, students that you can tell that to you, right? Yeah, yeah, (laughs) I do frequently. (laughs) And how about you, Jeremy? Yeah, I, I remember I probably was 10 or so and it was a long summer and it was through a library reading challenge that I started reading 
Robert Louis Stevenson. And um, from there, Louisa May Alcott and um, introduced to Anne of Green Gables. And so those were, those were my friends through, through childhood and, and, and teenage years. And I remember the shock of one summer uh, in my graduate studies when I was in Spain and I was used to an American open stack system where, you know, if you have a card, you can go wander your public library or wander through the stacks of your, of your school library and find what you need and stumble on what you needed. I remember the shock of walking into various libraries in Spain and them always being closed stacks. Mm-hmm. And so that, that um, serendipity of, mm-hmm. of stumbling upon a book that you didn't know about wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And yes, I think I, I, I love libraries. I love being able to both have easy access to books, but then the other functions of libraries where, where they keep archives, they keep historical documents and um, that function of, of, of being a place that, that, that promotes and preserves literacy mm-hmm. and that promotes and preserves both national and local culture is, is extremely important. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for, uh, <laughs> for being team libraries. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and um, since this is a partnership with the Carnegie Center uh, for Literacy and Learning in Lexington, I think we should also give them a shout out because Christina, I think we met at the Carnegie Center. We did. I was trying to remember, like, so we, that was, I, I moved from South Korea in 2018 to Kentucky. And that fall, I attended the Kentucky Women Writers Conference and did a workshop with Tarfia Faisula, and we were in that workshop together. Mm-hmm. And then I was trying to remember because we, it was actually after that in a summer, another summer workshop that we were in together with a yeah. local Kentucky poet um, in preparation, I think, for the falls, um, mm-hmm. the, the following falls Kentucky um, Writer Women Writers Conference that we connected again. And that's Mm -hmm. where we um, kind of this poetry group for, I mean, formed you and Jeremy had been connected as poets prior to that, but Mm -hmm. this group and it's, um, you know, current iteration formed out of that. Um, And again, so grateful for the Carnegie center. That was also like stumbling upon a magical kingdom, especially not being from Kentucky originally moving from um, abroad, being able to come and, um, have access to just incredible writers and readers. I I went to um, Ada Lamone's book launch for the carrying that um, that same kind of season, mm-hmm. and uh, I was just like, oh my gosh, what is this place? <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, big shout out to the Kentucky Women Writers Conference, but also to um, to the Carnegie Center for all of the um, amazing. Uh, opportunities that they give access to writers in this um, state. Yes. And we hope that this podcast can be um, kind of an online home for, for that kind of connection that is, is so important to Mm -hmm. writers. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I guess we should talk about some prompts. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) 
I know prompts have been important to me as a writer. Um, what role, if any, have they played in your writing process? For me, they've they 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 sort of have come and gone. I think early on, uh, they played a really important role, in part because they gave me permission and freedom just to write, mm. rather than mm-hmm. to feel that I had to to make sure that what I was getting on the page was weighty mm. and some deep truth about an inner issue I was, <laughs> I was having, um, right. They, they provided a certain amount of distance. And, and so early on they, they were very important. And then I think when I get into books, though, they're not formal prompts. I think when I'm, when I am working on a book, because a lot of the books that I've worked on have sort of run through series. There's a mm-hmm. way in which that, that series provides, provides a, a writing prompt, uh, mm-hmm. whether it's connecting it to a previously written poem or whether it's moving, mm-hmm. moving the story forward. Um, there's an informal prompt in that, but also when I need to, when I need to jump start writing again, and and when I when I just don't know where to go, um, I will I will look at prompts. Mm. I I didn't really um, give myself prompts or utilize prompts a lot as a young writer, mainly because I um, hadn't had really any formal training in poetry and just wrote sort of poems in my journal, like almost all the way up till um, gathering stuff to try to apply to to grad school. So it was in graduate school that I took a class in forms that I really started seeing the potential of formal constraints um, as a generative tool for writing work. So I got really invested and interested in the sonnet, whereas before I hadn't really given it the time of day um, and, and really um, fell in love with also the role that like something like even a syllabic, you know, a so, kind of a sonic constraint and rhythmic constraint um, could the role that it could play in, in terms of just generating language and generating text and also um, pushing like against what your natural inclination, like a word that you would naturally reach for, or, you know, so giving a sort of um, whether it's a rhyme scheme that you're utilizing or a, a line, a certain line length or a syllabic count, for each line, it sort of pushes your language, pushing against your sort of natural inclination and, and generates much more interesting language, I think. Um, mm-hmm. And so I sort of fell in love with that as a, um, as a tool for pushing my writing kind of to the next level. And also, yeah, when you're, when you're staring at the abyss of the blank page, um, having a little parachute to jump with, um, that's going to help you <laughs> sort of guide, fall down, you know, into, into the page, uh, it was really helpful. And then, um, in a few years ago, four, four or five years ago, I did Tupelo Press's 30 for 30 um, challenge. So uh, to write a poem a day um, and then they're posted on the internet. So it's a little bit terrifying, but it, within that, I, I had never had a daily um, writing practice um, in terms of trying to actually generate a poem every single day. So within that month, I utilized a lot of syllabics. I wrote a lot of sonnets um, and I wrote um, acrostics, which I actually really, really enjoyed, um, using that as a formal constraint as well. So I think like a prompt, any kind of stimulus you can give yourself to generate text 
is going to be valuable. And we use them even if we don't know we're using them, you know, whether it's like, I'm going to look out the window and that's my prompt. Um, Mm -hmm. so I, I just love, I love that. And I've really, I've really fallen in love with it. And then as a teacher, obviously I give my students prompts all the time and I write with them. So I have my kind of old bag of favorites that I think, um, almost always generate something interesting, um, Mm -hmm. in the students and also surprise the students into writing something really cool. Um, and that's also something that I love, um, about prompts. Yeah, I think that's, that's maybe one of the things that I like the most is mm-hmm. um, I think a prompt can lead you somewhere that you didn't know yes. you wanted to go. Yes. Um, yes. And I love that image of a parachute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you still got to jump, you know, you still got to <laughs> jump, but like it gives you something to hang on to as you're falling mm-hmm. down <laughs> or flying, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So um, before we get to your pr- the prompts you want to talk about today, are there any tips that you would like to give writers who might be working with prompts the first mm-hmm. time? Mm-hmm. The best tip that I could possibly give, and this kind of connects with something Jeremy said earlier, so um, I just want to reiterate it here again, is that the prompts, sometimes I think especially young writers or writers who haven't used prompts a lot, like they kind of push back against the constraint aspect of mm-hmm. the prompt, but um, I teach this to my students and I think it's really helpful. Um, I also have this like taped on a post-it on my computer because it's, it's a quote that I just hang on to. But Bernard Cooper um, ha- wrote this in an essay called, um, oh shoot, what's it called? <laughs> Marketing Memory, in an essay called Marketing Memory. <laughs> um, Only when the infinite has edges am I capable of making art. It was like, Mm. it works for visual art too. You know, you have like a space that you're filling with visual art or your canvas, or uh, in in our case, we have a page, but our page is, you know, especially if you're working with a word processor, it is infinite. Like, I mean, we have the boundaries of the margin, et cetera. Um, But giving our infinity some edges helps us to actually generate art. So the prompt is creating our edges that we can then create within. So whether that's a sonic thing. So I think Thinking of that um, as like a creative um, uh, playground that you're building for yourself to play inside of and being willing and, and I think like seeing the prompt as an opportunity for creation and experimentation and play and not with some sort of agenda for whatever that's going to be. The goal is just to, to write. So you not think not giving an agenda to what you're producing, but instead just kind of seeing it as an experiment or as a playground to play on um, mm-hmm. and then seeing what happens with that. You don't have to worry about the, the later stages of revision or editing or any of that stuff right now. The point is just to make something. And so taking all the pressure off um, of whatever you're going to make and just allowing the prompt to stimulate new writing in you in that moment. So I also took a workshop with um, Nate, the poet Nate Marshall a few years ago. And he said, he has this phrase, I think he got it from somewhere else, but I always give him credit for it because he's the one that taught it to me. Um, Say yes to yourself. So I always tell my students when we're working with prompts and I tell this to myself too, I need to say yes to myself. So if your brain is starting to go in some direction that you're like, where are we going brain? I don't know. You just say yes to it and go there because your subconscious is sort of, the prompt is also unearthing things in your subconscious and your memory Um, in terms of sound, even if it's weird, don't shut it down. Just go with it. Say yes to yourself and, um, and go with it. And something really magical happens almost every time 
um, that is unexpected. Like what surpri- what's going to surprise you in, in that prompt. And that surprise is where the magic of, of creation really happens. Yeah. So to, to sort of reiterate what, uh, Christina said, I mean, I think a really good ab- advice is, um, a motto that was, that was used in, in colonial Latin America, that in Spanish is obedezco, pero no cumplo, which means I obey, but I don't comply. Mm. And, <laughs> and so if one approaches a prompt like that, you know, mm-hmm. obey the prompt, but you don't have to comply. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. You can find places to, to get lost. Mm-hmm. You can find places to disobey. Mm-hmm. Um, but that disobedience has to happen under that umbrella of, of a, a, obeying the rules mm-hmm. um, so that you understand what's happening and, and understand then what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's all great advice. And I think I'm going to put your quotes on um, note cards and put it above yeah. my, <laughs> my desk. <laughs> Especially like the say yes to yourself. Mm-hmm. That's, um, that's good advice. Mm-hmm. All right. So um, let's hear your prompts. Um, Jeremy, do you want to go first? <laughs> yeah, my prompt. And, and I will say one of the things that I think also makes a good prompt is is one that asks you to go read other poems, mm. one that is connected to other, other, other mm. poetry so that mm. you have a model so mm. that you will, um, you will study what's going on. And so I would ask you to go and study eviction by Evan Boland mm. um, and, and read that, uh, read that poem carefully. That poem appeared, I want to say in the New Yorker in 2020 or so. And, Take that as an inspiration. And, 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 and what I would ask you to do is, I mean, so eviction tells the story of her grandmother being evicted from, from the, the rooms she was renting in the early night, in, in the early 20th century. And, um, it sort of tells her story and then has her reaction to that story. And, um, what I would ask you to do is to um, find a way, you know, think about a really important historical event, right? That, that poem is connected to um, Irish liberation from, from England in that fight. So find, find a, a major historical event, but then find a small domestic or personal moment that you can sort of tell the story of this, of this small personal moment making slight references to that larger historical event. Uh, So it's a way of writing. It's a way of using history as a prompt, uh, but finding the small and the intimate in order to tell, to tell the larger historical, uh, narrative. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is a prompt that could easily be adapted to someone writing fiction Mm -hmm. or even nonfiction. Um, So it doesn't have to be a poem if you're, if you're not wanting to try poetry. Um, And it's a great excuse to go to the library and um, Mm -hmm. read some historical um, books. Christina? 
Yeah. So um, I'm going to do a prompt that I've used a lot with students and also in my own um, practice. Um, It's not specifically related to a piece of writing, although I love, I I think Jeremy's um, advice to having prompts that are connected to specific pieces of writing. Um, And then sort of, you can almost like build your own prompt out of a poem that you love or out of a piece of writing you love, Um, giving yourself constraints based on the um, content or on the form of the other text. So mine is sort of a form of ekphrastic writing, uh, interacting with a visual art, um, as well as a form of locational writing. So not on plein air because you're going going to be inside potentially, but um, but writing kind of on location somewhere. So um, choose a museum. Um, Uh, art museum, or it could be a small one. There's plenty in Lexington. Um, I just visited Institute 193, which is a tiny little gallery um, in Lexington that has a really cool show that's up right now. Um, But also, uh, I love taking students to uh, 21C, um, which is free to go to. So that's also bonus. So go wander around, uh, choose uh, an artwork that is making you curious about something. So whether it's the color or the composition or it's moving you in some kind of way and you don't have to know why, um, and just sit with it, looking at it for at least 10 minutes. And it's helpful to turn on a timer because I think we tend to, in our attention atrophied society to just sort of like glance at something and move on, but to really force yourself to look at it. Um, this is also inspired by, uh, Ross Gay, um, his book Beholding is a beautiful, beautiful long poem um, that interacts with really, really looking at trees, but also at uh, a handful of different photographs, as well as a a short um, video clip of Julius Irving's uh, kind of uh, epic move, basketball move. So taking the time to really like sit with a work of art that's stimulating you or a photograph Um, really looking at it and gathering to yourself the imagery and language that then is starting to come as a result of that 10 minutes. And then just sort of allow that to kind of pour out on the page. And then uh, from that, take that sort of word bank of images um, and start to figure out what voice is speaking to you. So whether or not, uh, so who's going to be the speaker of the poem, who's going to be, whether it becomes a dramatic monologue where you're, you know, uh, adopting the voice of someone else who's speaking and inspired by the image or um, whether it's you speaking to something in the image, either of those are really good um, stimuli for then seeing um, what the poem becomes. I love it because it's providing a really rich visual, um, typically also something like textural or, um, you know, uh, not necessarily sonic, but maybe the image is stim- stimulating sonic imagery as well for you, for you in your writing. So it tends to create stuff that's very image rich because it's already sort of like, it's already sort of there. I, I just love it. It's almost, it never fails um, to mm-hmm. create something interesting um, and even if it's just becomes uh, an activity where you're, you're just, you're just writing something that's not going to end up being publishable, it doesn't really matter because it's, it's really getting you outside of your own life to, by looking at, um, something that another artist has made. Um, so it's not truly, I guess, ekphrasis, you know, you're not just describing the piece of art, but you're sort of using the piece of art to stimulate a memory or, a, a voice, 
or a scene. Um, this one is also really well, well translates to um, fiction outward uh, a nonfiction piece as well. Yeah. And um, I think I, I like how that it forces kind of forces you to engage more mm-hmm. with a work of art mm-hmm. than like you said, we normally do. Mm-hmm. Um I also think, you know, if you're not able to get out to a gallery right now, that mm-hmm. is something you could probably, you, there are lots of mm-hmm. um, online galleries mm-hmm. that you can look into. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's not ideal, I think. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, staring at a computer screen, but right. um, the, it, it can certainly be done. Yeah. It's much better to do it in person. There's a a physical, but like 21 C for example, has like a whole virtual gallery that you can kind of walk through the, the the gallery in Lexington on your computer. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's, you can do it, but it's not, it's not ideal. Um, It's better to do it in person, but, but you can do it (laughs) on the computer as well. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, so do you have any final writing tips you'd like to share for our listeners? Don't be afraid to share mm. your work with people who are going to read and, and uh, give you feedback, mm-hmm. one. And two, uh, if you can find it, uh, uh, Diane Lockwood uh, put together a lovely book of prompts mm. called The Crafty Poet, a portable workshop mm. that was published by Wind um, they they used to be a uh, a Kentucky publisher, uh, and it has prompts by people like Kim Adonizio, uh, Jeffrey Levine, Diane Lockwood, Alicia Ostricker, and a number of other contemporary poets that that really do have great prompts that 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 cover things from metaphor to syntax to revision. So mm-hmm. I think finding some books like that uh, mm-hmm. can be useful. Mm-hmm. in terms of getting you into deeper reading mm-hmm. of other poets and mm-hmm. into deeper reading of your own work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would second both of those things and also say um, it takes some, a little bit of courage to step out and, you know, find other people to write in community with sometimes. Um, but going to places like the Carnegie center um, going to conferences like the Kentucky women writers joining the Kentucky Poetry Society, joining, you know, um, is, is, is something that's going to be feeding you as an artist in relationship with other artists, um, having those conversations, sharing what you're reading, um, sharing poems, sharing essays, sharing pieces of fiction. Um, those are all going to feed you and inspire you to keep working on whatever it is you're working on. Um, But all of those things happen in community and these community spaces like the public library and like the Carnegie center and other, um, other local uh, nonprofit writing uh, areas, spaces that are being cultivated all over. I always tell my students too, it's like those Places are everywhere. You have to seek them out and look for them. And that's what's going to connect you with people who are going to help you continue to grow as a writer and also push you um, to finish because that's also really hard. Starting is really hard and finishing is really hard. So the prompts are really good to help you start. (laughs) And then you need friends, allies, uh, advocates who are going to advocate for your writing um, and for your work while you're in the midst of it. So I cannot stress the importance of that. Um, human connection 
um, enough. And it is really scary. It takes courage to do it, but it is the most important thing you can do, I think, as a writer. Um, well, one of them. Reading is maybe the most <laughs> important thing, but um, but getting connected with other people who are going to help um, sustain and um, nourish you as a human and as a writer are really important um, as well. And um, that is a great segue to um, the group that we are starting here at the library, the Prompt to Page Writing Group. So um, for those of you who are in Jessamine County, um, we hope you'll join us. Um, our first group is uh, September 28th at 6 p.m. And you can find the information, the registration information on our website. Yay. Thanks so much for joining us, Jeremy and Christina. Um, and uh, we look forward to seeing everyone's responses to these yeah. prompts. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so Great. much. Thank Great. you. Thanks for listening to Prompt to Page. To submit your responses to Christina or Jeremy's prompts, visit us at justpublib.org forward slash prompt hyphen to hyphen page. To learn more about the Carnegie Center for Literacy and Learning, visit carnegiecenterlex.org. Our music is by Archipelago, an all-instrumental musical collaboration between three Lexington-based university professors and musicians from all across the American South. Find out more about Archipelago, Songs from Quarantine Volumes 1 and 2 at the links on our podcast website.